Morning, everyone, again. You know, we usually watch this at home, and, uh, you know, when you're about, maybe is it six or seven thousand miles away, and you see the speaker coming out, and, and then you hear the message, and, you know, it's, it's kind of nice to hear it, but, you know, you're not actually there. And then, you just to be here this morning, and just to feel the warmth of the love and the Christian fellowship, and the smiling faces and, 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 and the, and the fellowship. It's just such a joy for, for Anne and I to be, to be back again this morning with you. I can honestly say that we pray for San Ramon every single day. And we ask that the Lord will bless your fellowship and encourage you and increase your numbers and make you to be, uh, fruitful and, and faithful to the Lord. So, uh, thank you for being here this morning. You know, I'm here for two weeks. So if you don't come back next Sunday, I know you didn't enjoy today. So remember us that we might have. Actually, next Sunday is quite interesting because there's a lady who has promised to come next Sunday. Um, She's a new convert, uh, just just, uh, very recently brought to faith in the Lord Jesus. And it's just kind of, you know, in the infancy of spiritual things and trying to learn and uh, could, couldn't be here today because she lives at a distance, but she promised to be here next Sunday. And um, keep that lady in, 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 in mind in your prayers, if you would. Um, we, we have a kind of a message that I hope might be, might be suitable for her and trust that she might be with us next, uh, next Lord's Day as we, as we meet together. So we're going to just read from the the scriptures and I'm just going to read one verse with you today. If you have a Bible, it's in the book of the Psalms and it's in Psalm 118. Psalm 118 and it's just one verse. That's at verse number 24. Psalm 118 and verse number 24. <clears throat> and the psalmist says, <clears throat> This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Trust that the Lord will bless this reading from his own good word. You know, because this lady was kind of promising to come next week, I kind of was, for a few weeks, pretty sure what I wanted to speak about next Sunday that might maybe be of interest and benefit to her. But then I began to think about, what about the first week? And Anne said to me last night, just last night, what are you going to speak about in the morning? And I said, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. So she turned over and went to sleep. <laughs> See, that's the benefit of being a sister. You don't have to speak so much. But us poor brethren are faced with these things and I'm tossing and turning and I'm not sure. And for some reason, brothers and sisters, this little verse, precious verse, verse that's pretty well known, from the Old Testament, from the book of Psalms, somehow this verse seemed to 
come before me even just last evening. And early in the morning, this morning when we woke, again this verse was upon my heart. And so I felt I would like to share it with you this morning from this background. From this background. I'm just very conscious that the problems that exist back home in Ireland among the Christians, the pressures, the difficulties, the problems that exist among Christians are the very same, I'm sure, for Christians that are here today. Christians and believers are feeling pressure. And Christians today are feeling problems. And there are many, many difficulties that are arising in the Christian life. And with that in mind and with that background, I thought I would like to try to bring you this morning just a message of encouragement and a message that will lift and encourage all your hearts as we make our way forward in the week that is to come in the will of the Lord. But I said, Lord, just one verse. They're all going to have an early lunch. They're going to be finished by 12. And the Lord seemed to say to me just last night, the Lord seemed to say to me, you know, have you ever spoken to any Christian congregation that has complained about getting out early? <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, okay, Lord, we'll give it a, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a go. And if they get out early, well, everybody will be happy. No problems there. So here's my heading for the little verse this morning. Here's my heading. How's your day? How is your day? How is your day? How's your day? How's your day, brother? How's your day, sister? How's your day, young Christian? I want to try and help you through the day. That you might have this experience that the psalmist talked about. In this day we're going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it and we're going to have this double joy. Because as I've said, there are so many problems and difficulties in the hearts and lives of Christians and especially probably too among young Christians that don't know which way to turn, and the temptations of life, and the trials of life, and the troubles of life, it makes it all so difficult. And we had an old preacher at home, he's gone with the Lord now, he's going to be with the Lord now, Mr. Knox was his name. And you know, Mr. Knox, he used to ask the people how they were, how's your day? And it was always kind of negative, you know, it was always, oh, you know, pains and, problems and oh, not so good. And he said, I used to ask all the people how they were. And then he said, I kind of changed. And I said, I, I used to say to them when I met them in the street, ah, feeling better now. <laughs> feeling better now. How's your day? Getting on with the Lord? Progressing since the last time that we were here? Any more spiritually minded since the last time that we met together? Because you know, if we're not making progress, we're going back. So how, how is your day? 
Now, I used to wonder what day this was. What is this day that the psalmist is talking about? This is the day. What day is the psalmist talking about? And I used to think to myself, when I kind of read this at first, I used to think to myself, well, he must be talking about Sundays. He must be talking about a Sunday. This is his day. This is the Lord's day. The Bible calls it the Lord's day. So he must be talking about a Sunday. And I wondered, was he talking about a Sunday? Well, there is something special about a Sunday. I tell you, there was something special about being here just in that former part of the meeting, the first meeting when we met to remember the Lord. There is something special about that. You know, when we took that bread again this morning, and we took it and we remembered that his body was given for me, The old hymn says, Kneeled, kneeled upon Golgotha's tree, faint and bleeding, who is he? Hands and feet so rudely torn, wreathed with crown of twisted thorn. Son of God, tis he, tis he, on the cross of Calvary. It was special to take that bread this morning. And it was special to take that cup, the contents of which remind us as we were reminded in the former part of his precious blood that was poured out in all its fullness and in all its freeness on Calvary's middle tree. And we have a hymn. We have a hymn that we sing it. I don't know if it's in either of your hymn books, but we have a hymn that every Sunday morning I like to think about it as we take the cup. It says, Thy precious blood. Thy precious blood was freely shed for me on Calvary to save me from a lost eternity. Glory to Thee. And brothers and sisters, where would we have been this morning? Where might we have been? Were it not for His body given and for His precious blood shed on Calvary's tree. And that was precious today. And I wondered, was He speaking about the Sunday? Was He speaking about the Lord's Day? And then I thought to myself, maybe he was speaking about Christmas Day. Maybe it was Christmas Day. This is the day which the Lord... You know, Christmas Day is a... That's a big day. I was speaking to... This is some years ago. I was speaking to a, a, a children's gathering, a children's meeting, and... I was introducing the subject of how they need it in life a friend. You know, we all need a friend. The old hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. And I was trying to introduce the idea of a friend and I told them a story and I said to them, you know, you know, whenever I was young, I had a friend. But I only wrote to him kind of once a year. And he never ever wrote back. And I never ever got to meet him. And I asked them why did they think that was. And one wee boy said, well, maybe he couldn't read. And another wee boy said, well, maybe he couldn't write back. And another wee boy said, maybe it was Father Christmas. And so it was. And we had a friend when we were young, but you know, now we have a real friend. A friend that the Bible says speaketh closer than a brother. 
And it's good to have a friend in life who never leaves us through all the trials and tribulations of life. And I wondered, was it Christmas Day? And then I thought, but maybe it was Easter Day. Maybe this is the day that the Lord hath... Maybe he's talking about Easter Day. You know, the day that he rose again. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Maybe it was Easter Day. And we love to think about that Easter morning. You know, I shocked, I shocked the Christians at home recently. And I'm going to shock these men now. And I'm going to pause and say the throw me out for a minute before I explain myself. I said, you know, when we were talking about the resurrection morning, I said, we don't believe. We don't believe in an empty tomb. And there was a silence. And there was a nervousness. And I said, we believe in a vacant tomb. But it wasn't empty. There were five things that were in the tomb on the resurrection morning. It wasn't empty. It was vacant. Christ had risen. But there were five things that remained. You know what the five things were? His grave clothes were there. It wasn't empty. His grave clothes were there. He left behind the grave clothes when he arose. And I believe still in that form of his body as he emerged miraculously out of those grave clothes that held him. The grave clothes were there, still in that, in that oval form. And the napkin that was about his head was there in a place by itself where he had led. And if you entered into that tomb as those two men did on the resurrection morning, a third thing was there. The odor of the perfume was there. There was no odor of death. It was the odor of the spices and of the perfume that Nicodemus had, had embalmed him with and anointed him with. And the angel was there. The angel said, he's not here. He has risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. But you know the fifth thing that was in that tomb? That vacant tomb. That tomb that wasn't empty. That tomb that wasn't empty, but that tomb that was vacant. The fifth thing that was there was hope was there. Hope was there. Because he has risen, we shall rise also. We shall live also. He is the first fruits of them that slept. And because Christ has arisen, every saint that dies in Christ shall rise again on the resurrection morning. What hope, my brothers and my sisters, this gives us in a dying world. And our loved ones that we've led in Mother Earth, whose form we miss and whose words we, 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 we so often miss, We're going to see them again because he has left hope in his vacant tomb. And so I wondered, was it Easter Day? But you know, as I kind of pondered these things, 
I came to realize that the day that the psalmist spoke about, he's actually speaking about every day. Monday as well as Sunday. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's his day. He made it. He gave it to us. Every day is a fresh day from him. It's a day of opportunity. It's a day for progress. It's a day for thanksgiving. It's a day for worship. It's a day for praise. This is the day that the Lord hath made. And so with that in mind, I want to ask you, brother, how's your day? Sister, how is your day? In the fellowship that we used to go to, there was a kind of a, a garden and a driveway and it needed a little bit of work, you know, a bit like the work that you're having here. And one day we were kind of out tidying up. It had been announced that we would do work that morning. And unusual for Ireland, it was raining. <laughs> uh, unusual for Ireland, you know. Whenever you come over and, whenever you come over and Adel's coach to Ireland, who's going to bring you all over in a coach. Make sure you bring an umbrella. We get a lot of rain. And it was cold. And so this lady's walking up past, and the brother and I, he's kind of weeding and working, and the lady says to him, Mr. Moore, it's a terrible day. It's a terrible day. And my friend says, my friend, stop for a minute. Stop what he was doing, and I remember, I remember him lifting himself up from weeding and looking her in the face and saying to her, Well, it's a wet day. It's a wet day. You know why he wouldn't say it was a terrible day? Because it was the day that the Lord had made. He had given us that day. It was his day. It was a day of opportunity. It wasn't that it might have been wet, but it wasn't terrible. And he said, well, it's a wet day. So how's your day? How's your day? There are three ways that we might look at this day. I just want to look at it in one way, but just to mention the three just for your... We could look at it historically. What does this verse speak about? I think it speaks about the day when Joseph, when, when David was crowned king of Israel. And that one who had been rejected and despised and was persecuted like a, like a partridge on the mountainside, there came a day when he was crowned an Israel king. And on that day all the people sang, this is the day in celebration. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. It can be looked on historically. And it can be looked on prophetically. Because there was another king that was rejected when he was here. I think of the Lord Jesus when he was here. I think of the day when he asked for a penny because he was poor. The Bible says, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. One day he wanted to preach and they had to ask for the land of a boat in order that he might preach. And one day he wanted to ride into Jerusalem and they had to borrow a colt. And one day he lay in a tomb and he had to borrow another man's tomb. The poverty 
of the blessed Lord Jesus. But I tell thee, the Lord is now rejected. And he's by the world disowned. He's by the many still neglected and by the few enthroned. But I want to lift your hearts this morning and tell you, but soon he'll come in power. And the hour is drawing now in the crowning day that's coming. By and by. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this morning, you're on the winning side. He died, but he rose again and he's coming back again. The little hymn that we sometimes sing, he went away, but not to stay. He's coming back again someday. What a joy it is to think about this setting prophetically. Then, not only Israel, but all the world shall sing. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. But I want to think about the third way. And that's practically. How does this verse affect us practically? Do we get up, you know, you know what I like to do in the morning? Ah, you know, I hate that old alarm. <laughs> I hate that old alarm in the morning. But, you know, you kind of get over that initial and you get up and I love the, I love to look on the, up into heaven and say, thank you, Father, for another day. Thank you, Father, for another day. A day to serve you and a day to be blessed and a day to be a witness and a testimony and to be thankful. Thank you for another day. But, you know, as we make our way through the day, is it possible that we can really say what this verse says, we will rejoice and be glad in it? How can we be doubly glad? Being glad, what's the difference between rejoicing and being glad? I want to suggest to you that when you rejoice, this is only a suggestion, when you rejoice, you can see it in the face. It's kind of public. There should be no kind of Sarfias Christians, we should all be rejoicing in our countenance. But being glad, I think, is in the heart. It's more private. It's more hidden. And every day that we live, God wants us to rejoice outwardly and be glad inwardly because it's his day and he's given it to us to serve him. But is that possible? And some of you are saying to me, Elton, you don't know the problems that I have in my Christian life, in my family, in my finances, in my health, and all the issues that I have in my life. How on earth, how could I be glad? How could I rejoice and be glad every day in my life? I want to tell you, only with great difficulty. Have you ever noticed Because the psalmist noticed it in Psalm 73. The psalmist seemed to notice that Christians seem to have more difficulties in life than the unsaved have. Do you ever notice that? Here's what the psalmist said. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 73 when he looked around. He said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They are not in trouble as other men. 
neither are they plagued like other men. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. And can it be that Christians seem to have more difficulties than the unsaved? Do you know why that is? Because whenever you get saved, the devil's not finished with you. And he wants to spoil your happiness, and he wants to spoil your joy, and he wants to spoil your sweetness, and he wants to make you as ineffective as you can, as he possibly can. And that's why there are so many difficulties in the Christian life. And have you ever noticed too that, you know, as Christians, and I was so interested that I was kind of sitting here this morning when they were doing the Bible verses, and it brought this to my mind. Have you ever noticed that in Christian life there are certain things that tempt and test Christians in different ways. You see, my weakness might not be your weakness. And your weakness might not be my weakness. But the devil knows exactly what our weakness is. And the very thing that is our weakness, he will set before us in order to try and bring us down and to try to destroy our joy. And here's what I was thinking about this morning when I was... <clears throat> when I was listening to them saying their verses, because they were talking about the lottery and winning the lottery, what it would mean. And I know I'm going to surprise you here again, but if there's something I had to fight against in Christian life, and I know this will surprise you, but you know, I have to be honest. No good, no good me standing up here and pretending to be something I'm not. Whenever the lottery was introduced in Great Britain and in Ireland, I would have loved to have done the lottery. And I tried to justify it to myself. I said, Lord, we could give to the missionaries. And we might be able to buy some equipment for the hospital. And we could pay off all our debt and we could give some to the church. And sure, it would be all right, Lord. It would all be good. but it would be gambling. And can I as a Christian gamble? And I came to that conclusion on that day in my life. I'll tell you this before I come to the conclusion. There was one day, because it comes to my mind just now, there was one weekend we were on holiday in the city of Newcastle in the north of England. And we were walking down a shopping mall. There wasn't a, there was thousands around us and there was not one person knew us. Not one single person knew that we were there. And in the middle of that shopping mall was a lottery desk. And there was a big sign in that lottery desk. And you know what it said? Double rollover this week. <laughs> Double rollover this week. Estimated jackpot. 22 million pounds. Lord, I could help a lot of missionaries. <laughs> oh. oh, Lord. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I wanted to buy a lottery. I wanted to buy the lottery that day. Nobody would see me. Nobody would know. I could be absolutely clear 
that nobody would know. But I knew that God would see me, and I knew as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ that I should not gamble. And I came to this in my life. Lord, I'm going to trust you for my health. I need to trust you for my health. And if I can trust you for my health, I'm equally going to trust you for my wealth. And I'm not going to remove my dependence that I have on you for my health. I'm not going to move that dependence upon you for my wealth. I might never be rich. I might never give to the missionaries that which I could give if I won something like that. But that cleared up the matter for me. But you see, that's my temptation. Maybe, maybe some of you think that man's very, very unspiritual to be tempted. But your, your temptation may be something different. But you, can you see the difficulties in Christian life? But I want to tell you to help us get over these difficulties. God has given us so many things to help us. We have the Holy Spirit within us, living within us. We have the Holy Scriptures. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Scriptures. The best book to read is the Bible. If you read it every day, it will help you on your way. The best book to read is the Bible. And we have this privilege of prayer. Men have forgotten to pray in the world. Sometimes even as Christians we're too busy to pray. Sometimes we're just too careless to pray. God has given us all these things that we might overcome the world and all its temptations. How is your day? How is your day? But there's something lovely I noticed about this verse. This is the day that the Lord hath made Did you see in the middle of it, there's a little word and it says, we. I just noticed this recently. It doesn't say, I will rejoice. It says, we will rejoice. And I know it's very simple, but the other thing that God has given us that we might be able to overcome the world is Christian fellowship. Christian companionship. Christian friendship. We will be glad and rejoice in it. I don't know, I'm going to kind of show my age here a wee bit. Um, But whenever I was a wee bit, just a wee bit younger, there was an American group and um, they were called the, the, the Sledge Sisters. Anybody... Anybody ever remember the Slade sisters? They were from America and they sang this, they sang this lovely little song. It was a very catchy song and it said, I'm not going to sing it by the way, so relax. I'm only, I'm only going to quote it. They sang, We are family. I've got all my sisters with me. And I said, Lord, that'll never do for me. If only I had all the sisters with me. No, that wouldn't do. I said, Lord, I've got all my brethren and sisters with me. I've got even more. I've got even better. I've got the whole family of God with me. 
and they help me and they encourage me day by day. We pray together. We read the Bible together. We meet together. We remember the Lord together. We will rejoice together and be glad in it. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we're all in the family. There's some here this morning are not too long in the family. Just new converts. Just this past year or so. Others have been here for years. But you know, we all have this in common. And it's this, and it's very sweet, and it's very touching. We've all been forgiven. Every one of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus, you've all been forgiven. And I tell you, I needed to be forgiven. And maybe so did you. That's why we should be forgiving one to another. That's why Christians should never hold grudges, by the way. That's why Christians should never be, you know, touchy with one another and, you know, kind of at odds with one another. Why? Because the Bible says, the Bible says, listen to what it says in Ephesians 4, it says, be kind one to another. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Why? Forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we have all been forgiven. And that's why we're in the family. And that's why we're here, because we're in the family of God, and we have that in common. So how's your day? How's your day? This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. Here's another thing that I noticed. We will rejoice and be glad at the end of it. No, I don't think it says that. You see, every day at the end of the day, here's the point I'm trying to make. Let me get round to it in a kind of roundabout way. Every day when we come to the end of the day, we get down at our beds and we thank God. We thank God generally for things like this. Lord, I'm thankful that though I haven't been perfect today, I'm thankful at the end of the day that I didn't sin willfully. Others around me sin willfully. Others around me use foul language. Others around me uh, told, told, told jokes that were off color and, 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 and in a, I'm glad I didn't sin willfully. And Lord, I'm glad it didn't sin publicly. I'm glad it didn't stain the honor of your holy name. I'm glad it didn't let you down. I wasn't perfect, but I'm glad that I didn't do those kind of things today. We will rejoice and be glad. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say at the end of the day. It says, I want you to rejoice and be glad through the day. Not just at the end of the day. And so as we make our way through uh, the day, brothers and sisters, maybe I could encourage you, maybe even to ask yourself as we make your way through the day, how is my day? How's my day? Am I thankful for what he has done? Am I thankful for giving as a son? Am I thankful that I'm not in a lost eternity, but I'm on my way to heaven? We will be, we will rejoice and be glad in it. I want to tell you there's one day that's going to spoil your day. <clears throat> there's one day above all that's going to spoil your day and spoil your gladness and spoil your joy. Do you know what that day is? 
yesterday. Yesterday. You see, we have a tendency to look back. We have a tendency to be hard on on ourselves at times and we look back to yesterday. I'm not just thinking of the 24 hours. I'm thinking of the past. And we think of the mistakes that we made. And we think of the errors that we introduced. And we think of the things that we've done that would be better not to have done. And the devil tells, tells us you're an awful Christian. You're a terrible Christian. You've let the Lord down. You're not the person that you think you are at all. And we look back. I was thinking of Israel. Israel looked back. Israel were redeemed. The Lord brought them over the Jordan. The Lord, sorry, the Lord brought them through the Red Sea. And then they wanted, they wanted to go back. And you know what amazed me? What they wanted to go back to? There were four things that they wanted to go back to. They wanted to go back to the onions. And imagine wanting to go back to onions. (laughs) And they wanted to go back to the garlic. The garlic's even worse. They wanted to go back to the garlic. And you know, they wanted to go back to the melons. Well, I could, I could understand that. There's something, you know, there's something about the lovely melons that are sweet and juicy and ripe, but they were always looking back. And the devil, brothers and sisters, the devil wants to keep you looking back. And he wants to stunt your growth by looking back to maybe failures that have been in your past. And we have a very dear friend at home and I, I tell you, this, this, this is a real story. This is not very fairy. This is, we have a very close friend at home who before she was saved, not even when she was a Christian, before she became a Christian, she did something that she very, very much regrets. Serious thing that she did that she very, very, very much regrets. And you know the effect of that. Fifty years on. Fifty years. It's spoiling her joy and salvation. She can't get it out of her head. She can't get it out of her heart. Why did I do that? And the devil has so used it to spoil and stunt her growth and to make her an unhappy Christian. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, God doesn't want you to live your days like that. God doesn't want you to live your days looking back. He wants you to live your days looking forward to the Lord's coming. Because it will be a good note to end our little meeting on this morning to think about the coming day when He shall come. What a day it will be, brothers and sisters, when the Lord Jesus raises up from off that throne at the right hand of the Father on high. And to the amazement of the angels, as they look on and wonder and veil their faces in His holy presence, He steps down in the midair and the trumpet sounds and the voice is heard and the saints from earth shall rise. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, 
And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, and the saints of earth shall gather to their home beyond the skies. And the roll is called up yonder. Thank God that we'll be there. Not because of us, but because of Him. So how's your day? How's your day? How is your day? Maybe when I'm at home in Ireland, all those miles away, maybe you'll meet one another in the street or in the shop or at the game or wherever. And you'll say, brother, how's your day? Sister, how's your day? And your response will be, this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Just the Lord will bless his word to our hearts. Shall we just commit ourselves to the Lord in prayer? Our Father, we're thankful today for the simple thoughts that we have enjoyed together. We, We give thanks for the day of salvation. That day changed our lives forever, changed our lives in time, changed our destinies for eternity, Lord, and we're thankful for that day. And we confess that Christian life hasn't been easy. We've let thee down. We haven't been what we'd like to have been. We've failed at times. We've been poor servants at times. But you've forgiven us, Lord, for all our sin. We're thankful that we've been forgiven and we're in the family. And we just pray that we may have grace until the Lord comes to be better Christians in the days that lie ahead. And that we may all have this encouragement in our hearts that we will indeed rejoice and be glad in the day that the Lord has made. Bless this fellowship collectively. Bless the Christians individually. And keep us all in your grace and favor until the Lord Jesus comes as we give thanks for your kindness and goodness and grace in his worthy name. Amen.